0: Due to the graphic nature of this program, listener discretion is advised.
1: And welcome to episode five of the Virosis Podcast. I am Graham D, and as always, I'm joined by CJ. How are you, sir? Good mate. <laughs> wow, it, I, I, I'm so I'm still surprised. Every episode, I should I should expect some sort of like uh international greeting.
2: Well, there's a reason for sort of going uh, Australian this time, which we will come on to. Ah, oh,
1: intriguing. I just want to start by saying a massive thank you to everyone who's purchased a t shirt, listened to the show, uh, interacted with our playlist. Hell, if you've even been in the playlist, thanks ever so much. We've been around now for about six months and it's been absolutely fantastic. So, also a massive thank you to everyone. We really, really appreciate it. Also, happy to announce that there's a new design available the Reprisal shirt, taking the idea of the Hydra, i.e., the mythical beast, where if you cut the head off, two heads came back. And I kind of like the idea of that as a metaphor for like motivation and setbacks. So if someone, you know, if you have a have a setback or someone cuts you down, you come back twice as hard. That's available now on our site.
2: So to explain my and greeting earlier on, we are delighted to announce a new partnership for the podcast. Our first, in fact, uh, as we grow in strength and numbers, um, with Ten Fifty Four Records, who are based in Australia, they will be providing us with a new release track for each podcast from their roster. 1054 are pushing the envelope in terms of worldwide new talent in the metal and hardcore scene. You can check them out on social media at 1054, spelled out T E N F I F T Y F O U R, on Facebook and on Instagram, 1054 Records.
1: Coming up on this show, we have an awesome interview with Chandler from Militant Me. We also have music from French band Dawkins.
2: We also have a brand new feature for you, which we've called Room 202, a feature we've slightly rebranded from a similarly named show on the BBC in order to stop them suing us, basically. <laughs> Not that they've got any money, because no one pays a licence fee anymore. So that's coming up a bit later on as well like to say a massive huge thanks to Pete at 1054. The first track we have to offer you is from the Brazilian band Inherence and we're hoping to get an interview with the singer Tiago for a later podcast as well coming from Sao Paulo in Brazil. I can imagine you can only imagine the things he's been through to to get where he is. I imagine a quite sort of Sepultura type story uh, for that so we're excited for that for the future. For now this is a track called The Chapter of Human Carnage and it's from their brand new EP The Entrails of Human Desire. You can find Inherence on both Facebook and Instagram using the tags uh, Inherence Band. That's I-N-H-E-R-E-N-C-E Band. that was the chapter of Human Carnage by Inherence. Check them out. Check out 1054 Records. Show them some love.
1: That song is absolutely brutal. I absolutely love it. The second uh, announcement we have for this show is the launch of our Earn the Gurn campaign. For this, we want to find any riffs or song sections that make your face screw up in a metal gurn. Breakdowns, fast sections, anything you like. We want to hear from you guys. Either send them to varosisclothing at gmail.com or send us a DM via Instagram. We want to promote them wherever we can with the hashtag Earn the Gurn. So if you uh, want to post yourself, please tag us into any of your posts. Also, send us a picture of your best gurn with the hashtag earn the EarnTheGurn. And like I say, we'll, we'll share them across our social sites. And likewise, when the next month's playlist on Spotify comes up for a refreshment, we'll uh, we'll put them in there. I like to use the word refreshment.
2: How this image of Very a, a playlist with legs going up to a bar and getting refreshment. I like it. You can edit that out. Oh.
1: Right, so as mentioned, we now have a fantastic interview with Chana from Militant Me. Enjoy. Okay, so I'm here with Chana from Militant Me. How you doing, man? You alright? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. So, for for those listeners who don't know who you are, do you want to uh, give us a bit of background?
3: Yeah. So. uh... I've been in the military for just over 11 years, going on almost 12 now. Um, I started doing music when I was young, like first band. I think I started, I was 14 years old, 30 years old now. So I've kind of been in and out of the music scenes I've been going. Uh, When I started my military career, I started out just being in the reserves. I was uh, in the infantry and uh, went on a couple deployments back in 2009. I went to Iraq. And uh, since then, I've had kind of just varying different experiences, like I said, in and out of bands here and there. Um, but like music's always been a huge, huge passion for me. So uh, just a little over a year ago, May of last year, I decided to start this project, Militant Me. I uh, just cause like I just can't let it go. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's something <laughs> I've always been about, really passionate about, and like here I am, 30 years old, and you know I've got this little recording studio, just like right here, just set up in uh set up in one of my rooms here in my house, and uh, yeah, I just uh record music. The funny thing is, is I've had better success with this so far in terms of gaining a audience than I ever had with uh, any of my bands. Uh, so it's been kind of, been kind of interesting, but yeah, right. Like a one man solo project, but, uh, looking to in the future grow to a full band and eventually take this thing on the road. You know what I mean? Like that's the ultimate goal, be able to start doing shows again and everything like that. But uh, yeah, one step at a time.
1: So when did you decide to merge your kind of military history or your military career with your like music career? You're often in, like combat fatigues and like, you know, like, like a gas mask or whatever. And it's like, it's, it's really cool. I really like, I really like the aesthetic of it.
3: Uh, it's just kind of one of those things where it sort of happened on its own. Like with this project, I wanted to really, really be true to myself. Um, and like about the things that I'm passionate about. Whereas, you know, before it was like being in a band, it was always like you had to have a group decision, you know? And like, with my bandmates, even though like we were best friends and everything, like very very different people, and having some kind of like one aesthetic and one brand and one identity was always impossible. So it just ended up being a bunch of dudes, you know, which is which is okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But uh, when it comes to like really making your your band or your music project like identifiable, you really want some kind of like aesthetic and uh, you know some some kind of image that people can walk away with and remember. And I uh, said so the military, like, aside from music, military's always been my biggest passion, my biggest interest. So I was like, well, shoot, man, this is me, so I'll make them one and the same, you know? So that's kind of how I came up with it. Nothing crazy, but it was more of a kind of a natural than anything else. I think it's kind of, like, disingenuine or fake. Like, people are going to catch on, you know Absolutely. what I mean? Like, yeah. If I was doing all this stuff and like I wasn't in the military I'd, I would feel like the biggest fraud, you know what I mean like people would be able to sniff that out a mile away and especially people who do do serve in the military'd be like screw you man like
1: this guy
3: <laughs>
1: yeah you, you don't you, you don't want to piss off military guys right
3: <laughs> uh, we'll come after you in a big way
0: <laughs> yeah. I am darkness I am light. People fire the,
1: night. I the first song. I heard from you was uh, my sandbox, which uh, oh, okay. we we put on our playlist at the time because I just thought I well I still do I think it's a great song, um, Thank you. and I could tell the lyrics obviously very personal to you. Yeah, so how how did that kind of, sort of song and and that sort of material sort of come around?
3: So that's kind of that's like one of my my so- softer songs. You know, it's like a, I guess you could say the power ballad, but. Uh that song came from personal experience. Over my career, I've had nine Marines that I've lost to suicide that have all dealt with, you know, PTSD in one way or another. Um, you know, from some of the experiences they'd been through, we'd been through together. And uh, a lot of them just had kind of a hard time dealing with it. You know, every, everybody deals with their experiences in different ways. And, you know, and it's not always necessarily combat-related. Sometimes, you know, just the uh, just the stress of, like, being in the job, being away for a long time and then coming home and, you know, like... Wife leaves you, you know, financial situations come up. A lot of guys just, uh, they fall into some situations that are tough. And unfortunately, like for a lot of my friends, uh, yeah, they weren't able to, you know, ended up taking their own life. Anyway, so yeah, it was kind of a kind of a personal song, you know, uh, and uh, it was one of those, like some songs you'll sit down, you know, pick up the guitar, and you'll like go through hours and hours of trying to write something, pick the, the right melody, the right lyrics, you know, and it's like a long, long process, but that one just kind of, it just all sort of like flowed out at once, you know, and it's kind of interesting, because it's like, like it's not like anything else I have, you know what I mean, but... Yeah, that one, that one definitely
1: came from the heart. So, from that, not only do you write your own stuff, I know you like to do like sort of covers, especially like metalcore covers, which which are yeah. really really cool. Um, particularly, really like uh, just recently, you've released uh, One Step Closer as a tribute to Chester. Yeah. So, uh, again, why why did you choose sort of One Step Closer to sort of make a video and to really sort of push? So, I
3: was 12 years old when Hybrid Theory was released back in 2001, and, like, Linkin Park was the first heavy band I ever, you know, heavy band at the time Mm -hmm. that uh, I ever really listened to or ever got into. I grew up in a house where like heavy music was not necessarily appreciated like my parents were my dad was a jazz musician and you know very very critical of like any kind of you know just any pop music or any kind of music so like the only stuff we really listened to in the house was like Tower of Power or Shaka Khan or you know also my my family was very like hardcore Christian conservatives uh growing up and uh so like I never really even heard any kind of rock music and uh that was like the first band that i discovered on my own my parents weren't happy about it but uh and one step closer was the first song i ever listened to And you know at the time i was like oh my gosh this is so heavy you know whoa they said shut up in the song like whoa how edgy <laughs> you know what i mean like so yeah it was the the first cd i ever purchased and uh yeah i was just like a i was a lincoln park junkie like i joined the uh Lincoln Park Underground and I got their Hybrid Theory EP, which was like the material that they created before they were even Lincoln Park. And yeah, I was just like, it was a Lincoln Park nut. It was a Linkin Park fanatic. And uh, you know, over, over time as they kind of changed their style, like I still loved them and still followed them. Um, it's one of the few people that I think did. I know a lot of people got pissed off when they started changing styles, but uh, I was always a fan. And because like they were they were really the first band to to make me want to learn guitar and learn music. The the first song I ever learned on guitar was a place for my head. Uh, that little, little riff. Um, so so yeah. Like when when Chester died, um, like I know every a lot of people say this, but it was almost kind of like it felt like I was losing a family member almost in a way. Just because mm. like they had this big of an impact on me, um, and I'd really really been wanting to do a. Uh, you know a cover of their song and I was having the hardest time picking which one I wanted to do um, so I just thought you know like I would go with One Step Closer because that was the first like Linkin Park song I ever ha- heard and uh, like I kind of owe my love for music to them honestly because before I listened to them like music wasn't really one of those things that I particularly got into yeah.
1: No, I can completely relate with that. Because uh, when I was growing up, I was a huge Pantera fan. and like oh, yeah. I'll never forget the day where I got a text basically saying that, yeah, you know, Dimebag had, had been killed on stage. And it was just, it was a really confusing thing. You know, like I, I never met the guy. I'd seen him play live, which was awesome, in both Pantera and Damage Plan. So I was lucky. But, yeah, it, like you say, it's, it's it's a weird sort of process to go through to sort of someone you actually don't know. You've never met, but yeah. they, they they mean it's that good. much to you.
3: Yeah, because you know, like you listen to their music and you have this moment where you realize, like, I'm never gonna hear anything new by them ever mm. again. You know what I mean? And like, that's just, I don't know. Like, especially when it's like they have that big of an influence on you and you realize, like, that's it. You're never gonna hear anymore. It's
1: kind of, I don't know.
3: You take you take it kind of personally.
1: What albums are you listening to at the moment?
3: Oh man, Jeez, I'm in between like so many things. I was actually just thinking about this today, where I was like. Do we live in a, in a time when there's so much good new music that it's, uh, oh, it's
1: kind of... It's, in, in 2019, there have been, well, there are still yet, to, yeah, there are still some to come out, but there have been so many good albums come out already.
3: So, I mean, like, uh, I've definitely been jamming on the new Slipknot album. That's been really good. I've uh, been listening to the new Killswitch album. Uh, Atreyu just re-released their album from last year, and they have, like, five new tracks on it. So, basically, it's like they released a new EP, and all of those are really, really solid. Uh, and then yeah the uh been following the new as I Lay dying a lot i'm just waiting for them to put out that album next month so yeah
1: their the, yeah. new stuff's been really good i'm looking yeah. forward to
3: the album it's been awesome it's it's cool when you see a band like get progressively better over time you know when Absolutely. like your favorite is the newest album because a lot of people are like oh yeah their old stuff is good but you know the new stuff sucks like That's how they're like, that's how you feel about so many bands out there where it's like they kind of get worse over time. But like, in my opinion, they're one of those bands, like they're one of the few bands that have just like gotten exponentially better over time.
1: So I agree. Yeah. Every time they
3: release, I think, yeah, this is my new favorite, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Okay.
1: so you mentioned earlier that you record all your music yourself. Is that something you sort of taught yourself how to do?
3: Yeah. So like. I'm not I'm not amazing at it. Like, for anything that I release to Spotify and Apple Music and Deezer and all, you know, like, the streaming services, I, uh, I have a guy that I'm good friends with who will mix all the music for me. But in terms of, like, anything I just, like, upload onto YouTube for fun, um, like, especially uh, some of those, like, little, like, cover clips that I'll do, um, those I just mix myself. But, yeah, it's all self-taught. The uh, the first time I ever got into recording, I was, like, 15 years old, and uh, I had the had the pleasure of working with, uh, his name was Jason. I'm trying to remember his last name, but he, at the time, he had recently worked with uh, Deftones and Kelly Clarkson on some of their latest albums. And he just happened to be like the guy that we were working with too. And wow. uh, yeah, for, for one of our little records, which, you know, of course, at the age of 15, like record doesn't go anywhere, but, uh <laughs> but he taught me a lot. So, uh, you know, and then I ended up just uh, buying my own recording equipment and I've, purchased and repurchased recording equipment over the years and so like this this studio that I have here in my house I just uh got set up um at the beginning of the year actually and so I just record all my stuff here and yeah I said I'm always learning as I go like I'm looking up YouTube tutorials and you know just little programs here and there and just kind of kind of wing it I don't necessarily have like a method to the madness I probably should but uh yeah I'm just I try to consume as much information as I can
1: on the subject and go from there there so youtube is such a great resource for learning anything oh yeah likewise i've learned a lot if there was someone looking to kind of do what you do in terms of recording covers and and putting videos up and stuff what's some advice that you'd give them
3: one of the biggest things is that like people need to like if they're serious about what they're doing they need to treat it like a business and they need to like kind of approach from that perspective some of my like educational background is. I have a uh, a master's in business administration, um, so like I've studied a lot of like a lot about marketing and a lot about like how to drive your you know your product to the consumer. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say I'm like the expert or anything because I'm always learning from people. Um, but like I've definitely tried to treat it with like a I have my target audience, you know that I'm I've I've identified with you know typically like like for example my target audience is mostly like younger males between the ages of 16 and 30. Uh, who also enjoy guns <laughs> and, you know, things up and uh enjoy newer music. Like, I'm not trying to go after, you know, the guy like in his 40s or, you know, who like only listened to Metallica or, you know, Slayer all his life because those guys are usually the kind of people that be like, oh, this this stuff sucks, you know. Part of identifying who you are is also identifying who you're not and then like kind of making that clear. I think too many people try to go after like, oh, we're making something that, you know, everyone can listen to and everyone can enjoy. But like, if you try to make something everyone's going to like, usually no one's going to like it, you know, so it's it's good to pick like the one thing that you know, like your audience is going to enjoy. And then to just like, connect with them as many times as possible, because it's kind of like a, uh, it's like a psychological principle of marketing that like people aren't going to remember you or identify with you until they've had experience with your content seven to 11 times. And so like if you're if it's taking seven to eleven times to like really actually connect with somebody, that means like you need to be putting stuff out very, very regularly. So a lot of what I do with like these cover, you know, cover songs or you know, I'll take like little clips of like Metallica riffs or Iron Maiden Riffs or Pantera riffs and then I'll like reimagine them into like modern metalcore, which a lot of people hate, like the elitists hate. They're like, Oh, what's this crap? But you know, like <laughs> but like my my target audience really, really enjoys it. But uh So I'll take like, I'll do a huge compilation of those, release the entire video on YouTube, for example. And then I will split up the clips. And then now I've got like a clip that I can show daily on Instagram. You know what I mean? So like every day I've got something that I can put out there and you know, cause typically you won't always have the same audience on different platforms. Like the people that follow you on YouTube are not always going to be the same people that follow you on Instagram, but don't always follow you on Facebook. So you want like the chance to connect with all of those people, that you possibly can. And then uh, so like content daily is really what you want to do. Cause like I said, you want that constant connection. Um, The biggest thing though, is networking. Like you want to find the people that kind of are are sort of like the influencers in that space and you want to become their friends. So like I've made a lot of uh, a lot of good, strong connections with like playlist curators and uh, some YouTube channels and then a uh, large, large Instagram accounts that, you know, have over a hundred thousand followers and uh, I've become friends with these people. And the way you do that is by, you know, doing whatever you can to like provide some kind of value to them, uh, in whatever form that can be. Sometimes it looks like monetary compensation. Sometimes it looks like you sharing their content. Um, sometimes it just ends up being you being the good dude. That's always commenting on their, on their stuff and always saying positive, you know, stuff about them. And like, they notice that kind of stuff, you know what I mean? Um, so creating uh, a very, very strong network of people that, you know, will, will help promote your stuff. Um, and that's, that's really like, in term, especially in terms of like building your, your presence on streaming platforms, like that's absolutely the best way to do it.
1: That's amazing advice. Thank you. I can completely empathize with a lot of that. So what's next for you? What, what have you got in the pipeline?
3: Uh, so right now I'm working on my first full length album, um, which I plan on releasing before the end of the year. So it's going to be about nine tracks long. Um, five of which five songs are going to be completely brand new. And then I'm remastering about four of my older, my older songs, um, giving them kind of a new life, new energy. Uh, so about nine, nine to 10 songs is the, uh, kind of the target goal. And I'm going to be releasing that at the end of the year. And then, uh, you know, still going to be putting out like at least one little kind of cover video just for fun, like at least probably once every other week, you know, on YouTube and then just continue to kind of, just so you can kind of keep, like I said, keep that momentum you know, give yourself content to work with. Um, so that's, that's my plan. Um, I'm also, I've got this, uh, this side band that I'm a part of called Raise the Pyre. And, uh, we're planning on doing some live shows together, uh, here starting in October. So it's not gonna be anything crazy, you know, just sort of, uh, getting out there to sort of, you know, just, just really get out there to play because it's been five years since I've been on stage. So yeah, just kind of more or less doing that to sort of shake off the rust and, get me back into the live music scene but yeah. right now in terms of like the you know the six month plan that's sort of what i'm looking at
1: awesome okay well thank you so much for your time again if people want to find you on social media how do they find you
3: so just you know at militant me just uh just spelled out and then uh you know just youtube militant me if you're on spotify or apple music Deezer, whatever it is you're using if you just you know search that you'll find me i think i'm I think i'm the only one on all those platforms uh that has that name so Yeah, you'll find me. Look for the gas mask.
1: And that was Chandler from Militant Me. I genuinely could have spoken to the man for ages. He's a really, really cool dude. He was dropping pure fire in that interview. Some great stuff, especially if you're looking into marketing your music or creative projects online. Alright,
0: alright, alright. Let's see what we've
1: got. a Love, kid. Ready for some fun. Transmat fire. Hold on to your ghost. Now it's time for room two oh two. Just to explain, we've each chosen five things in kind of normal daily life. That if we could lock away in a room and never have to deal with again, these are the things. So, CJ, do you want to go first?
2: No, I think you should go first. I and I certainly don't think we should have another game of rock, paper, scissors at the spot. because
1: It was great audio. Uh,
2: although we've got no complaints about it.
1: <laughs> no complaints, <laughs> good complaints. Cool, all right, I'll happily start. So, first thing for me, I want to check into room 202, wasps. <laughs> wasps, what is the point of a wasp, right? I get it, bees. Bees have a, a use, they make honey. You know, a bee won't sting you unless you really annoy it which I get, right, because, you know, I feel the same if I was just trying to go at my daily business, do my job.
2: Well, if you're just bumbling around Just bumbling around, and...
1: making honey, and people start swatting at me, That I would sting them too. But obviously it's a bigger commitment for them because they die if they sting you. Wasps have no purpose and can just sting you as many times as they want. They're like that really annoying short guy in a bar that's just giving lip to everyone, <laughs> that no one wants to be around. So, yeah, we're definitely checking wasps in there
2: that's completely excellent well the first thing i'm going to check into room uh, 202 and i have to give my wife a bit of credit for this one our health and safety signs because <laughs> we don't need them nine times out of ten they tell you something you already know and we're the worst country i mean obviously i'm a little bit uk-centric here but we're the worst country for like health and safety signs everywhere to tell you the blooming obvious. You know, you go to Amsterdam, I'm going to quote Steve Hughes, the Australian comedian, who's very funny, by the way, check him out. He says, you go to Amsterdam, there's no signs, there's no fences. It's like, is your bike wet? You're in the wrong bit, mate. And, and, and that's just how they get on with it. They smoke pot, and, you know, they can generally be quite sort of Dutch and chilled out, and they don't have any accidents. We have health and safety signs everywhere telling us how to live our lives. So that's going in for me, checking that in. I can
1: completely can with that one. Okay, so my second one is uh, another kind of around town issue, which seems to be of the younger generation, where they play music out of their phones <laughs> out loud while they're walking. Why? <laughs> Why do they do that? Firstly, the music is always shit. It's always <laughs> terrible, and the sound quality is awful. Uh, yeah, like you, you get no mm. bass, you get no decent bass or treble. And the music, you know, the music fan in me, like just put some headphones on. Mm. It will sound better.
2: It, it, sounds like re- else. it sounds like someone's It sounds like someone recorded a sewing machine.
1: It's horrible. I don't don't get it. At
2: least our generation went to the effort of getting a great big stereo and and having to buy those massive great wiki batteries which you can't get anymore to power the stereos. You've got it on your shoulder. So all our generation's got one really strong shoulder to carry the old ghetto blaster around. And that was an effort, so that was was fair enough.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I I can't stand it uh, because they just wind me up completely. So they're definitely getting checked in and the key thrown away. (laughs)
2: Fair play. Well, talking of technology, I'd like to throw Fitbits in room 202. <laughs> what oh. is the point of Fitbits, right? You, there's nothing worse than seeing like, I'm sure somebody who knows how to use it properly probably does use it properly. But most t- times out of 10, you see some fat guy going, oh, I've got a Fitbit. Done 10,000 steps there. How's like, that working out for you? you
0: know, no.
2: it, it makes everyone sort of count stuff they don't need to be counting. I just think they're the most pointless thing ever.
1: I do agree. As despite being an owner of one, <laughs> I do <laughs> sitting here sheepishly. No, I think if you're going to use it, right, then yeah, absolutely. If you're tracking, you know, if you're actually using it for what it should be, which is you're tracking it, then fine. It's like people wear track suits around town. <laughs> if you're not running, don't wear a track suit. They're for running for athletic activity, not for going down a pub. Sorry, it's just the way it is. So no, I completely get that. I think it's one of those things, right, where people like, like the accessories, but don't actually do it. There's loads of things in life, not just Fitbits, but, you know, like they, they, they sort of dole themselves out of all this stuff and don't actually use it. It's annoying. Mm, I, I completely get it. Okay, actually this brings us nicely onto my third point, which kind of covers this these types of people, which is scripted reality television.
2: (laughs) Again what I made in Chelsea. Yeah, I don't understand it. Other shows are available.
1: (laughs) Because, you know, I get like T V, you know, it's it's written by someone, their stories and uh, awesome. And then reality TV came around, which, again, I get the fascination with, you know, see what people actually do in real life and why it's a bit weird. I get why people watch it. But we've ended up now that reality TV has worn its course. So you now have this sort of hybrid, which is, like, written, but it's meant to be real, passed off as real. And I just don't get it. And there are all these, like, really, like, annoying, plastic-looking people that, are like, D-list celebrities that will be on all these weird game shows for the next six months and then disappear <laughs> completely. And uh, I just can't... Yeah, I just don't get it. Like, either write something original and produce it and obviously there are amazing tv shows out there or just let you know do behind the scenes stuff which is awesome and i get a lot of pleasure out of watching behind the scenes stuff but don't like script it mm. what is that
2: no absolutely i don't get it oh, that's fair that's fair well keeping in with the real life theme, third thing i'd like to check into remote 202 is every single middle lane hogging driver out there
1: i knew you were going to do that
2: <laughs> uh yeah i mean I, I do a lot of driving and people who hog the middle lane just need to be diverted up the hard shoulder, up the embankment and down into a tunnel, which leads them to room 202. I don't think it needs any more explanation than that.
1: <laughs> I can care. <laughs> again. OK, this one, actually, again, we've, we've gone down the athletic route already. So this is a nice segue. So uh, this is one for those who uh, go to the gym or have been to the gym. People who throw their weights around after lifting. It just really bothers me. As someone who's nearly lost a couple of toes to people throwing weights around. It really annoys me. Overly grunting annoys me as well. There's no need for it. But like we all know, you're lifting weights. It doesn't make them. It does make you look harder or make them look heavier if you throw them on the floor hmm. after. You just look like. A do, I can't stand it. it dries, do you
2: find it when someone on. grunts, you're looking around for Monica Sellers? <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> like one said a court. <laughs> I just don't get it. Especially like and again, sorry, sorry, fellas. It seems to be a male thing. It's like a very like testosterone-driven thing. Like, oh, I've lifted my weights. I'm gonna throw them down. Just put them down. Just put them down. <laughs> you don't need to throw them at people. It's a 10 kilogram weight.
2: Get over yourself. Ran over. No, I think think that's perfectly fair. Well, I'm going to change gears slightly. And the fourth thing I would like to put into uh, Room 202 is episode one, The Phantom Menace. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I need to explain that one. And if anyone disagrees, you're entitled to your opinion. You're wrong. But that thing ruined the good name and image of the Star Wars saga, for me and thousands and millions of people like me around the world. Episode two, yeah, I could see where it was going. Episode three was, was tremendous. And the new stuff, there are mixed views on that one. But episode one, was there was just no need for it at all. Period, as they say in America. <laughs>
1: <laughs> wow, yeah, okay. No, yeah, I can get on board with that one. I can get on board with it. It's, it's certainly not my favourite one. Let's put it that way. Okay, my last one is a matter of culinary deception. <laughs> There's nothing worse than when you're at a buffet... And you got all the meat treats out and you see a nice sausage roll. You put a couple on your plate. When you go and eat it, it's not a sausage roll. It's a cheese and onion roll. <laughs> they taste disgusting and they ruin everything else you're about to eat. There's nothing to signify it's a cheese and onion roll and not a sausage roll. I have had many buffet experiences ruined by the infiltration of the cheese and onion roll. So they need to go.
2: I like to think of like lots of cheese and onion rolls like hiding underneath... Um, uh, I don't know, a, a serviette somewhere, going, right, lads. not yet, not yet. No one's looking, quick, get on the sausage rolls, <laughs> man. Like,
1: like ants. There's, there's like, all the sausage rolls are tied up underneath the table, <laughs> all gagged. <laughs> they've been The cheese and onion ones have infiltrated the meat treats.
2: That's absolutely fantastic. Well, leading on nicely, and I don't want to use the word segue because you used it so beautifully, I want to use that word again. My final thing I'd like to check into room 202 is, and it's slightly controversial, but, you know, you know me by now, I don't really care. And that's vegan bacon. Because what's the point of vegan bacon, right? I'm, I'm not anti-vegan or whatever. I'm not one of these, like, who wants to have a go of vegans. That's, that's not what I do. That's not what we do on this podcast. But first of all, I understand that somebody like, who doesn't like animal suffering doesn't want to eat the product. That's fine. But then why make something that, that tastes like some, like that, that same product? That doesn't make any sense to me. And a lot of people who are not, perhaps, vegans and vegetarians. But more importantly, I'd get rid of vegan bacon because it tastes like cardboard. It's just disgusting.
1: I've never partaken in it, because obviously, as I described in my last point, I'm a fan of the meat treats, <laughs> so I don't have an issue. My, my thing with that is that, that, like, vegan bacon, they only refer to as faking, right?
2: Right. Now, that, that, that's going in room 202 as well. So yeah, Unnecessary compound words. That's an extra one. Like, channel.
1: My challenge is, what do they call fake duck? <laughs> you can't use that, Monk, you can't use that in front of the children.
2: It's it's just it's just a weird thing. I mean, uh, vegans by all means send us send us a DM and explain to us why you know there's this this, this penchant for making things that look and taste like meat, which is something you're against. I, I just don't personally understand that, but I'm obviously prepared to learn. I mean, I recently tried the, the Greg's vegan roll. I refuse to call it the vegan sausage roll. Other bakeries are available um, because there's no sausage in it. But the vegan roll is delicious. And there's a lot of delicious vegan food out there. Seitan is lovely. Jackfruit. It's all delicious food. I I love food. I don't care if it's vegan or not. But uh, yeah, I just, I I don't get it. And more importantly, it doesn't taste anything like bacon. Sorry, Delia.
1: Wow, fin- finishing on a high note there. Cool, so there are, uh, are what we are checking into room two oh two. Send us your uh, what you check in as well. Again, either DM on Instagram, which is at virosisclothing, or send us an email at virosisclothing at gmail.com. Next we have music from French band Dawkins now if you're looking for it the A is spelt with a V but it is pronounced Dawkins I double checked and they're a metal band from Paris founded in 2016. The band create a powerful yet melodic sound that deliciously contrasts between the clean vocals of the lead singer and the guitarist screams with a big metal instrumental support providing a dramatic backdrop A hey, from the bio right there. This track is called The King Is Dead from their awesome EP Blind Insights. <laughs>
0: I am the one you should know I'm
1: Right, and that brings us to the end. Thank you ever so much for listening. If you want to find out more about us, you can go to virosisclothing.com or you can find us at virosisclothing on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter.
2: This podcast was recorded at Purple Gooseberry Studio, so massive thanks to James and Sarah for lending us a facility.
1: And until the next time we speak to you, no matter what happens or where you find yourself, merge the Intro section, insertion. Sounds like a few patches, do, huh?
2: do love a good insertion. I do love
1: a good insertion.
2: <laughs> Name me your sex tape.